Welcome to the Open House podcast site, available at openhousecommunity.com.au. My very special guest tonight is about to celebrate her very first year of marriage, but this is no ordinary bride and no ordinary woman. She has an enormous global following for her prolific output of music. She's been a very prominent voice for purity in dating relationships. And around the same time she walked down the aisle to marry Jacob Fink, she put out her ninth book entitled, What Is He Thinking? Yes, a woman writing about what blokes are thinking. This Christian singer, author, actress, Grammy Award winner, together with many other awards, Rebecca St. James was born in Australia. She's called the USA home for the past 20-odd years. And I'm so very glad to say that she joins us now on Open House from Nashville, where she lives. Rebecca, welcome to Open House. Thank you so much for having me, and thank you for that lovely introduction. My that was beautiful. pleasure. It's all true. It's great to have you here. I'm bound to ask this in the wake of such a book, What Is He Thinking? And after nearly a year of marriage, are there new things you've learned about what he's thinking or what men are really like? There are new things that I'm learning, absolutely. You know, when you get married, there's, it's a whole new world. But I do feel I was somewhat equipped to handle kind of understanding guys in, in that I'm the oldest of seven kids. I have five younger brothers. And so growing up with six men in the house, that definitely helps the transition to marriage being a little bit easier. I mean, it's very different when you've dated, you know, guys to then being married. And I think I had a pattern in dating of not wanting to ask for what I need because you just don't want to be a needy girlfriend or anything like that. And so I think in marriage, I'm learning to ask for what my legitimate needs are as a wife and not expecting him to read my mind. <laughs> so that's something that I'm, I'm learning to do. What a wonderful woman. <laughs> Blokes around <laughs> Australia are rejoicing. I wanted to explore... Some of the issues that you've raised in your book about dating, what is he thinking? But as you get to this first anniversary, what are the things that you've discovered, the other things that you've discovered about marriage, no doubt the delights, but also some of the challenges? The biggest thing that has been helpful for us to learn, even actually while we were engaged and that's really helped our marriage, is to not let the sun go down, you know, without talking issues through as they come up yes. and so we did premarital counseling which was amazing i just encourage every engaged couple to do that and and things came up you know in premarital counseling that was just so wonderful for us to talk through and so we had this pattern of making sure that if issues came up that we would we would talk it through and in marriage honestly even though we've had to have some tough discussions every now and again we're closer on the other side of it because we're both committed to complete honesty with each other we heard a lot of people kind of say, oh, you know, marriage is wonderful, but it's so hard. And, and honestly, it's been a pretty easy transition. And I think the two things that have made it easy are our commitment to talking about everything. And then also that we're seeking God each day. You know, we have a devotional book that we use. And so we're really, you know, committed to pursuing God in our marriage as well. With everything that you read and hear about you two, you seem to be the quintessential perfect couple are there no bad habits you've discovered about each other over this past year? No, we're not the not the perfect couple. That's, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> I'm learning to again probably be just more direct. I try and kind of like just be gentle and put things in, you know, these really kind of 
beat around the bush kind of terms. And he just really wants me just to to be direct about things, you know, in in our relationship. And he's probably learning to be softer and more gentle, even though he is a gentle man, absolutely, and a strong gentleman. He still was a bachelor for a long time and, and is learning how to soften some things in communication. And I'm learning how to kind of almost toughen up a little bit and just be be a bit more direct. So marriage, you know, you're you're adjusting to each other and and it's the most beautiful adjustment and and the most wonderful and worthy relational adjustment that you'll ever make in your life. But definitely there are things that that we're learning about each other along the way that, that definitely help that intimacy. One issue that I think affects so many of us, married or not actually, is busyness. You both have busy lives, Mm. yours especially, and it's a very high profile life. How have you maintained a sense of connection, if you like, in the midst of those busy lives? Yeah, we really prioritize being together. My husband travels for work as well. So I'm on the road doing a few shows and then I'll meet up with him, you know, while he's traveling as well. So we've definitely worked up a lot of frequent flyer miles and, you know, just, just put in the hard yards to make sure that we're together the majority of the time. You know, when we're both working, we prioritize time to just get away from everybody and everything and just sometimes even like just go on a bike ride or a walk and just be with each other kind of us time is a real priority so that's definitely helped a lot in the busyness of everything how have you kept your spiritual connection both with each other and with god amidst all Mm. those distractions and all the pressures all the voices and uh, in a new marriage well one of the things that that was um really beautiful about our kind of lead up to marriage was we were we were given a devotional book by Dr. Dobson actually a focus on the family devotional book that he wrote with his wife Shirley. My husband like literally the day after our our wedding broke out that devotional book and opened it up and and led us in devotions and that's been a daily thing for us and so even when we're away from each other, we'll like write via email the answers to the question of the day, and it's just an incredible connect for us. And prayer is a, is a focus, you know, for us as well. And then we are also seeking to have our own time with God each day. Sometimes we're more disciplined with that than others. But you know, I, I remember seeing this kind of visual example of of marriage and and how it relates to the Christian life, and and it had this pyramid. And God was at the top, and then the husband and the wife are at the other two points at the bottom. And it was just saying that the closer that you move as husband and wife on those two points to God, then the closer you're moving to each other. So you're moving towards that center peak of that triangle, of that pyramid. And and I love that picture, and so we've really felt that in our marriage too, that as we seek God, we grow closer together. One thing I know you've been so pleased about is that you're marriage ended your season of dating about which you've taken a particular interest including the book there was a pretty lonely time for you yeah yeah i'm so glad to say good riddance to dating um (laughs) you know (laughs) no matter how you slice the cake it's a a vulnerable season in your life um the dating period and i had okay experiences none of them were, were particularly you know terrible but it's just a hard hard lonely season when you're waiting for the one that that you want to spend the rest of your life with. So, you know, writing this book, What Is He Thinking?, I really 
wanted to pursue that book, you know, actually before I met my husband because I wanted to learn about dating. And I also wanted to encourage girls that there are good guys out there that have honorable intentions and really want to live out relationships in, in God's way. And so then I was, you know, dating um, Jacob when I was finishing up writing the book. It was really kind of very unique timing, but I, I think it is a, a difficult season in your life and it was a lonely one for me and a long one for me, but worth the wait, absolutely worth the wait. And and I now see that God has redeemed my pain, you know, that he didn't waste those years. There was good things that were going on in my life and in Jacob's life, and the timing was perfect. You said that it lasted longer than perhaps many young Christian women. How much did that have to do with your job, your fame, and the particular challenges of dating in that kind of realm? having the platform that I had was a hindrance to my dating life. You know, I know that for sure. Just even a couple of the guys were upfront about, you know, that element made them kind of more insecure um, in, in our relationship. So I know that for sure that it was a hindrance. But now I look back and, and I again, I see that my husband and I, like the timing was so perfect, like for us. And so I, I now wouldn't have wanted it any other way. But while I was in that waiting period, I was definitely wishing that it was, was yes. many years earlier, you know, yeah. that he came in my life. Yes. You've been a very prominent voice urging women to wait for marriage before leaping into sex. I'm starting to blush asking this, but was it worth the wait? Absolutely. Oh my goodness. I I am so grateful every single day that I waited for my husband and that he waited for me. You know, we exchanged purity rings actually in our ceremony, which was just such a, a beautiful example of faithfulness, you know, before marriage to each other. And I think a really big part of the blessing that we're sensing and the unity and the intimacy, the closeness that we, we sense in every way as a couple um, is because we did remain faithful to each other before marriage. And, you know, whenever I talk about purity, I, I also talk about forgiveness because many people have regrets in this area of their life. And so I, I always talk about the fact that God forgives and in in that he sets you free from the past and you can, you know, wait from now on when you receive God's forgiveness. Yes. Uh, but I know for sure that the ideal is what is written in the, in the Bible, and that is to to wait, you know, for sex in marriage. And we also washed each other's feet in our ceremony as an example of the fact that we wanted to lay our lives down for each other. And I think even wait in waiting for each other, we were sacrificing and we were laying our lives down for each other and for our family, even for our future kids, for them, that marriage to be blessed to the max. And, and so, yeah, it's, it's, it's seriously awesome. On Open House, we're with singer, author, actress, Rebecca St. James. Rebecca, what would you say to those dating couples now about waiting, now that you've crossed that threshold into marriage and the waiting is over, if you like? Apart from just it being absolutely worth it, I, I would just say, you know, put boundaries in place as a couple. You know, talk about boundaries. Protect yourselves from going down a path that makes it all about the physical because a marriage relationship is about every single part of you being united with someone else. You know, it's not just the physical, it's the emotional and the spiritual. And I now see that for all of my single years, I was a bride preparing for my groom. And so that's what I'm really saying to to girls and, and even now to guys too. You know, while ever you're single, you are a bride or you're a groom preparing to walk down that aisle. And so every decision that you make, 
will either bless your marriage or hurt it. And so I think we live in a culture that thinks very expediently and um, just thinks about now. And I really think if we started thinking about the future and blessing our marriage by living God's way, you know, in our single years, marriages in our culture would be so much stronger. With that focus on sex that is so prevalent in the Christian community and especially on the question of dating, is there a risk that there's actually too much talk about it, too much of an emphasis, we're in danger of making it seem like people are getting married primarily for sex? I think our culture just, you know, focuses so much on having sex outside of marriage and it's everywhere. It's just rampant um, in movies and in, in TV, online, you know, everywhere you look, it's like people are saying it's okay to sleep together before marriage. And so I think the church cannot talk about it enough, actually. Christian leaders cannot talk about it enough because there just needs to be encouragement in this area for, for young people to know they're not alone. I feel pretty passionate about that. And I mean, I, I don't think anybody should marry just for sex or to be expedient at all. I think people need to date for quite a while and make sure that they know who they're marrying. But definitely, you know, as it pertains to talking about this issue publicly, I, I think it needs to be spoken about more and more and more. In your book, What Is He Thinking? What were the things that the men told you in your wide range of interviews with them that, that actually surprised you about them and how they relate to mm. women? Yeah, I, I think the things that probably stood out were <laughs> one of the guys said, you know, if he's dating a hot girl who's boring, it's an absolute turn off, like turn off for him. He he really he doesn't want just just the outside appearance. He he wants the heart to be interesting as well. Sure. Um, so I thought that was a really great comment because so much of our culture just makes it all about appearances, but it's about the whole person, and that's what these guys are saying over and over and over again. They were really also saying modesty is important, which is, again, something you don't hear in our culture. You know, they were talking about really wanting to honor God as the person that they're dating, you know, in every way and pursue him, um, you know, pray together, just have a focus on God in the relationship. So overall, the book is just really a book of encouragement, you know, that there are guys that are honoring God and, and wanting to live for him. There's another element to the book that was unique, and that is I interviewed people like Sean Hannity of Fox News and Wes Stafford of Compassion International, people that have been married a long time and just said, give us single people, because I was when I was writing it, I was single, advice as to you know, what you learned when you were courting your wife and what you might do differently if you had your time again, if you could go back in, in time. And so that was really fascinating as well. Near to the top of the list of what men don't like is that they don't like critical women. Yeah, that, I think that was one of the most interesting parts of the book was, you know, having kind of the, these do's and don'ts, um, you know, really hearing from the guys on, on what are a major turnoffs, and, and that was top of the list, um, a, a critical spirit. And that really goes along with a biblical concept of, you know, don't be a nagging wife, you know, Proverbs talking about that. And so I think if you're perpetuating you know, a, a kind of a nagging critical spirit in a dating relationship that will definitely follow you into marriage. And so that was a really good heads up, I think. I know one thing that dawned on you was that the dating model has changed and mm. a great deal of that has to do perhaps with a lack of assertiveness from men, which is a tricky arena as women, mm. say in the post-feminist era, have taken on a new assertiveness perhaps. Blokes will often step back in the face of that. How do you think we navigate that very current dynamic? 
Yeah, you know, that was definitely something that came up is that guys are a little unsure now of their role, you know, when it comes to women and even, I mean, all of the guys are pretty traditional in that they want to be the one to ask a girl out. They don't really want a girl to be asking them out. And so they want to be the initiators. And I think every girl, if she really looks deep, deep into her heart, wants to be pursued, um, not to be the pursuer. But, you know, I, I think one of the things that I found out, in, in especially in Christian culture, what you were saying is that the model has changed and then it's become more of an informal kind of Starbucks dating approach as opposed to, like, a guy meeting a girl and asking her out on a date and then going out on date dates right away. And I think part of that is what you said, that, that guys are a little unsure about their role and so they take it a bit slower. But I know for me, I would get upset that these guys that were interested in me, I knew that they were, wouldn't ask me out and just kind of step up Jeez. and be strong. It would take a long time to do that. Now, knowing what I know because of the research of the book, I think I would have had a little bit more grace on some of those guys in realizing that the model has changed. It becomes a more of a friendship-based model for yeah. dating. Under lots of these questions is a strong undercurrent about body image, such a huge issue for mm. young women. What do you say to yep. them out of your own observations, your own experience, to help them with body image, self-esteem, and ultimately their health. I think we need to pursue healthiness, eating right and exercising and things like that. But I think too many of us, and myself included, have made that too much of a focus in my life. You know, if, if I'm feeling like I'm not in perfect shape or, you know, there's so much shame that I've felt like to the level where you know, I've looked in the mirror at a certain point in my life and kind of apologize to myself with tears for being so critical and so hard on myself, so judgmental and basing so much of my self-worth on how I look. Guys can sense when we make it all about our appearance because we're not free as people. And over and over again, these guys are saying, we want a girl who is free, that is secure and knows who she is in God and um, is comfortable in her own skin and not obsessed about how she looks. And so I think that balanced with pursuing healthiness in, in eating and exercise and things like that, I think that's it's a good balance to keep. You're such a prominent and public figure with your Christian faith. Can I ask you this? Does that ever allow you private doubts or questions about it all? I read a tweet of yours the other day that said, faith wouldn't be faith without having to trust what is unseen. In fact, Nikki Gumbel said to us last year, that faith wouldn't be faith without doubts. I have struggled at certain points with feeling very public, like just especially when I was younger, like wondering what actually is mine, you know, that's private, and then what kind of belongs to everyone else very publicly, because I've, I've been a very open book, you know, in, in interviews and, and just in my books and music. So I, I have struggled with that in the past. I have people in my life, though, that are in the inner circle, a mentor, a best friend, um, family members, and now, above all of those, you know, my, my soulmate, my husband, that I can share absolutely everything with. And so doubt hasn't been something that I've majorly struggled with. I mean, I think all of us, you know, have moments at certain points of going, man, I really don't understand that about you, God, or like that really is confusing to me and makes me kind of question you in a way. But underlyingly, even in the most painful, difficult times of my life, I knew that God was with me and, and that he is real and he's going to take care of me. Got to ask about your music before we say goodbye. Have you maintained your prolific output in your very new married life? Um, you know, I actually haven't been writing that much. I, I'm kind of, when it comes to songwriting, I'm one of those people that 
if I have an album coming up, I, I intentionally write. But outside of that, I don't need it as an uh, as an outlet, you know, emotionally. So, no, because I haven't had a, a, been working on a new album now for a year and a half or so. I, I haven't been writing in that time. But I plan to actually start writing with my husband sometime soon. So I'm, oh. I'm really, really excited about that. I bet. And I'm sure we all look forward to that. Is there a song that you would leave us with tonight? to perhaps mm. say something about this season of your life? Yeah, pro, the one that, that springs immediately to mind is a song called You Make Everything Beautiful, and it very much ties into my journey um, of singleness and, and now being married um, because there was you know, so much pain and just questioning God, asking Him you know, why, why I was single during those years and, like, and the loneliness involved and the pain involved in that. And now I'm in this season of my life going, okay, Lord, I see why the wait was long and what you were doing in Jacob and what you were doing in me and the timing was perfect. And I've seen him redeem that pain and that he was using me too in that time ministry-wise in ways that if we had have gotten married a lot earlier or met earlier, I wouldn't have been used. And so that truth that all things work together for good to those that love God and are called according to his purpose, that's, I've seen that in my life. And so this song just says, Lord, you make everything beautiful, and I, and I open my hands to you, I trust you, and just beautify my soul, um, even in the painful times in life. So hopefully it'll be an encouragement to everybody listening. Well, let's have a listen. Rebecca James, thank you so much for joining us on Open House. It's been great to talk. Thank you so much for having me. And this is Rebecca's You Make Everything Beautiful. Oh, 
We hope you enjoyed this open house podcast. Thanks to Christian Super and Real World Technology Solutions. To hear more from Open House, visit openhousecommunity.com.au.